0: Hi, welcome to Infectious, your guide to life during coronavirus. Today, we're going to be learning about what's happened this week, why it's happened, and what you need to be doing. First, we're going to be talking about something really important, the risk of getting coronavirus in lots of common places. MLive Michigan has ranked common places based on the risk of getting coronavirus at those places. They're on a scale from 1 to 10, with 10 being the riskiest. First, there's bars and large music concerts, which are at a nine, obviously because of the high population. Second, it's sports stadiums, gyms, amusement parks, churches, and buffets. they are eight, based on the activity that's going on there, and the fact that many of them are inside and together. Seven would be public pools. Then, next would be movie theaters, hair salons, and barbershops, which are all at a level six. At five, you would have planes, beaches, bowling alleys, and backyard BBQs. Four, you would have busy city sidewalks and dentist office. And then libraries, museums, grocery stores, hotels, and golf courses would be at three. Pumping gas, walking, running, and biking would be at two. And restaurant takeout and tennis would be number one, being some of the safest things that you can do. This is obviously really important. It tells you what things that you should be doing and what things that when you're doing them, you should be careful. So make sure to be careful when you're going to any of these things, but especially when you're going on things like public pools, sports stadiums, gyms, amusement parks, and other things that are high, that have a high risk of you getting coronavirus. Next, we're going to be talking about why scientists across the United States aren't, sure, aren't very sure why cases are spiking. In Alabama, which began reopening last month, more than a quarter of the state's 23,000 cases came in the past two weeks. While Arkansas, which has been which has seen hospitalizations and active cases double since Memorial Day, reported its largest one-day spike of 731 cases, bringing the total positive cases in the state to more than 11,500. Arizona has become a new hotspot as new cases surge up to more than a thousand a day. From before, when it was only 400 a day, experts don't necessarily attribute the, the increase to the reopening itself. Due to the fact that the space that the, that these spikes are not nationwide. Dr. Michael Osterholm, director of Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the at the University of Minnesota, said, "We don't have a national plan for understanding what we're trying to do here. Should we go back into lockdowns if we see substantial increases in cases?" particularly if we're beginning to overwhelm our healthcare systems, as we're seeing in some areas. But then, if you're in a state where cases have been dropping for the last month, they're going to ask, well, what are we supposed to do now? And that's a challenge we have here right now. What he's saying is that these cases, they're increasing in some places but decreasing in the other places, even though both places are reopening. So we don't know what factors are, what, what factor is making these cases spike. Many have also been questioning if these rises could be attributed to protests across the country. But Osterholm, had, Osterholm said that at this point, it's way too early to tell. We've not yet seen any evidence that this is increasing. And we surely haven't seen any in Minnesota where a large amount of the protests have been happening. But we'll, we're going to see them happen in these next week to two weeks. We just simply don't know yet. So this is really important because, we're gonna, because this is helping to see where cases have been happening, what places you need to avoid if you're going to be traveling anywhere, and where the new hotspots are. And this is also really important because it just shows we don't know everything about this virus, and we still need to continue to be careful. Next, we're going to be talking about Florida. New cases in Florida have stayed above 1,000 since June 2nd, but then on Friday, they spiked with 2,372 new cases. Governor Ron DeSantis said that the spike in cases was caused by increased testing, but many people are doubting this, including health officials, who see that reopening is a factor. They believe that the fact that this, is, that this should not be the end of mask wearing and social distancing should be enforced more. They believe that we should be following the CDC guidelines for individuals, both like in our daily lives and in large gatherings. And the CDC guidelines say to keep social distancing, keep washing your hands, and keep wearing masks. As we've seen in Japan, which I've talked about in a previous episode, we need to continue masks. To, we need to continue wearing these masks to stop the spread of this virus. Even if we're not social distancing, we still should be wearing masks. And so, what Florida kind of shows us here is that reopening is doing something, despite experts disagreeing. In like cases in Alabama and Arizona that I just earlier talked about. But what it is showing is that we need to still continue social distancing, washing our hands, and wearing masks. Just because the first wave is over doesn't mean that another wave isn't coming. If we can continue these safety guidelines, we can be safe. And we can stop a big, another giant wave of deaths and cases. And just like how Japan stopped there. We can, if we continue following these guidelines, we can save a lot of people. And if we continue following these guidelines, we can keep ourselves safe. Next, we're going to be talking about COVID-19 fraud. Desperate people across the United States are finding their unemployment checks and seamless payments stolen. They're also being bombarded with offers for fake cures, fake work at home offers, and messages asking for personal financial information. Perhaps the most widespread scam of these is the criminals filing fake employment claims on behalf of real people who haven't lost their jobs. All this is because of the rush to get relief money in people's hands. State agencies and corporate human resources departments alike are quickly proving claims without requiring much proof. In total, the Federal Trade Commission says consumers have reported about $50 million in losses to the agency. Now, if you don't want to be taken advantage of by these scams, remember to be suspicious of any unsolicited, unsolicited phone call, email, or text message you might receive from anyone, unless you initiated the contact with that person. If you're in doubt, call back to a number you know is legit by, like, Googling the number for that and finding it on their website. And remember also to talk to someone before taking action. Tell a friend, sibling, or somebody. Even though you're in that moment and you want to react, they might know this is a scam. This is really important as fraud can affect almost any of us through emails, phone calls, or text messages. And we need to be aware of it and know how to stop it. Next, we're going to be talking about the $100 billion industry of conventions. Now conventions have been pretty much completely shut down by COVID-19, but now they're starting to reopen. So let's get right into it. Today, it might be hard to imagine a mass gathering with thousands of attendees. Yet that's exactly what conventions and the events industry do. But this industry was completely stopped following the coronavirus outbreak earlier this year. As states such as Florida and Texas take further steps to reopen, the industry's trying to come back, with some centers preparing to host events as soon as next month, using safety measures that are becoming commonplace, like temperature checks social distancing, reduced capacity, and contactless registration. This is a critical time for this massive industry and economy. The Center for Exhibition Industry Research estimates that conferences which drive businesses for hotels, airlines, and local restaurants contributed more than $101 billion to the U.S. GDP last year. Just this week, McCormick Place in Chicago, the largest center in North America, was notified by organizers of the International Manufacturer's Technology Show that its 129,000-person conference scheduled for September would be canceled. The estimated economic impact of just that is nearly $247 million. For the conventions industry itself, the real fight will be reassuring clients, vendors, and exhibitors that it's safe to return. This is really important. As this industry is vital to a lot of other industry industries, like airlines, hotels, and restaurants. And so we need to be aware of how important this industry is and try to support it. We also need to be aware of the dangers that holding confidences can cause. And we need to make sure that we're, proper, we're following proper safety measures. So today we learned about the risk of getting coronavirus in common places. We learned about cases spiking all over the United States, but not spiking in other places despite both reopening and why we're not sure it's happening. And we learned how in Florida, how cases are spiking. And we learned about COVID-19 fraud and how it can affect you. And we've learned that we need to protect ourselves from all of these things by continually wearing masks Staying socially distanced. And if we do get any emails offering stuff about COVID-19, we need to know that we need to ask someone else about it or call a number that we know is legit. Before I go, I would like to remind you that we are going to be interviewing an infectious disease doctor next week. So if you have any questions, there's a Google form in the description that you can fill up. Thank you so much for listening to Infectious, your guide to life during coronavirus. Today we learned what happened this week, why it happened, and what you need to be doing. Thank you for listening.